All right, so welcome to another episode of Scale Up Soundbites. Today, we are so excited to have our guest, Ken Kensevsky. Mm-hmm. Have I said that right, yep, mate? Yep. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so I was a bit nervous about it, man. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I chatted to you, it was, it was just like Ken, KK. Ken yep. Kensevsky, yeah. <laughs> um, Ken is the owner and founder of a software consulting company, De- Devika, uh, based in Wollongong. Uh, I've got such a... Um, soft spot in my heart for any company that comes out of the gong i studied down there lived down there for a few years i love it and i'm seeing such a great text um scene emerging from there but yeah just some great stuff of what you guys have been doing recently um been on for about seven years now yep yeah, yeah i saw yeah. that post recently so yeah super exciting you guys have grown um doing some really good stuff with some great clients and launching some incredible new products that i can't wait to get stuck into and, and talk about today mate yeah. so um yeah tell us a little bit more about you uh and about um devika and yeah. how it came to fruition yeah definitely uh before i start i want to thank you for having me on um oh, mate, thank yeah, you. yeah it's my my first podcast so uh hopefully it goes all right yeah. um yeah so uh founder and managing director at devika uh we're a tech company so we build everything from websites mobile apps all the way to vr and ar applications uh yeah we're we're around seven seven and a half years old and um been lucky enough to work with you know the high end of town with corporates like westpac st george um some some international names like intel um and then you know some others in in government like uh transport new south wales and and universities uh but our real sweet spot is is working closely with startups so actually work getting in in that early stage, getting to understand what it is that they're looking to build. Uh, sometimes it's just an idea, a, a concept, and then you know we we assemble a team to to do the planning and design. Uh, sometimes that might already be done, and we help to go on and build it. And uh, and in more than one way, we do just more than the tech. Um, you know, we're we're part of putting a team together to help with you know the processes, the people, the technology aspects of it. Um, and over the years, we've also uh, grown out to have a venture arm, which co-invests and uh, gives that tech assurance when it comes to building out these products and and going live. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So you've done the 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 development space, the consulting space for for these partners, but you also got a venture arm yep. as well now. Yeah. And you've also got launched a new product as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, part of that venture arm was so what we ended up doing was probably around uh four or five years ago we we decided to really as a, as a company specialize in in a tech stack um so when you first start you know you, you're just starting the company out and you're you're taking all these different gigs and um you know you're inheriting a lot of other people's pro, you know work and and people that have, have probably spent a lot of time and money trying to get a product live uh and don't necessarily want to start from scratch. Yep. So we would inherit a lot of that and, and, and help get them live. And we did that for a couple of years. But as a, as a tech company and as an agency, we found it really hard to, um, you know, to, to manage all these different tech stacks. So, you know, so you might be using Kotlin and Swift mm. uh, for native or sometimes React or, uh, you know, it might be .NET back, you know, backend yep. or Java Spring Boot or Node.js and the different infrastructure providers, you know. Um, so, yeah, having having a team that specialized in all those different um, tech stacks and and areas was was really difficult. Sure. So we decided to uh, to really specialize and and um, and kind of do the the Jerry Maguire moment of like you know we're, we're going in this direction and um, our clients and uh, staff are coming with us yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, you know and and for us that was uh, you know we we felt like JavaScript was really is was you know 
a really good bet. Yeah. Um, so we, we've stuck to JavaScript being React Native, React.js, and Node.js. Yeah. All of it's TypeScript, so mm. it's all structured. And, um, and then we are... Uh, use cloud native infrastructure so we're really big on you know serverless uh, uh, and all of it sits on AWS so we're AWS house um, so yeah when we look at building out these products um, you know we, we now have a very well-rounded team that just specializes in in full full stack development yep. um, but in that JavaScript space so if someone needs to jump in and do something for the front end web mm-hmm. or you know there's another sprint that requires focus on on the native mobile app Mm. they're able to do it there's definitely people in the team that specialize in different areas and enjoy different areas Mm -hmm. but from a a contingency point of view you know anyone can do any part of any system uh thanks to that decision yeah then what came about after that was um you know we 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 were building you know probably a we at the moment we build and launch a product every month um back then it might have been every two months Mm -hmm. Um, but that was enough for us to start looking at uh, a bit of a boilerplate. So a foundation that was really consistent, that used all the mandatory aspects of building, you know, a, a digital product that really needed to scale and give us control and flexibility uh, to adapt to the client's needs. Yep. Um, and for us, that was baseline. So we, we built the product baseline. We used it for probably 15, 20 clients mm-hmm. uh, before we we really thought it was time to productize it. And we spent the last 12 months uh, productizing it. And yep. um, and now it's its own business and entity. Yeah, fantastic. And what, what I mean by productization is that, you know, <clears throat> baseline gives you like three to six months of software development out of the box. Uh, so things that used to take us three or six months, we also had to charge back in the day for that three or six months. Now, you know, it's a one-off fee uh, or a, a nominal, uh, you know, couple, couple hundred dollars a month subscription uh, that can turn into a perpetual license. And, um, and you know, from day zero, you're getting all that out of the box. Mm. Um, and for us, you know, we, we tapped into a lot of different advisors as well. So CIOs from, you know, universities, from government, CTOs uh, in, the, in the private sector, head of engineering uh, from private sectors to really, you know, help us with, with putting this together. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just like, siloed it was it was a collaborative approach uh with a bunch of industry experts um and then in the last 12 months by productizing it we got it approved by aws as a product so it's a isv which is an independent software vendor uh which means that you know anyone can go on the marketplace and purchase it and deploy it straight to the to their aws account and and start their their digital product journey off the back of it um so that's yeah that's been the journey um, where in the earlier days, you know, with three months was was cut down to like one day. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, you know, cut down to like a couple minutes where you just deploy it and start building the digital product. Fantastic. <coughs> yeah, it sounds like a, um, yeah, so hence the name Baseline. You start with Baseline, <laughs> bang, produces it straight away. Yeah. Okay, go. Yeah, I mean, when you told me about it first, I couldn't believe it was like one of those things that not many people, like it hadn't been sort of launched yet and mm. utilised yet that are all... And if so, like why I haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it sounds like a great thing. Have you had much success with with new clients and stuff like that, or existing clients wanting to use it? Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, we, you know, being being around for just long enough, we've seen some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Where um, you know, we have a client, you know, we have founders that are on their their third journey with us. Yep. So you know, we're part of that first journey of like inheriting this stuff, 
um, building it out, getting to market, looking after their product, allowing them to go in-house, and then one of the founders then going on to their second venture, um, exiting that company, and then using Baseline for that venture. Yep. And then, um, you know, uh, and, and then same thing, 18 months later, she's, she's exited from that company and uh, looking to, to do this third time around where uh, we're, you know, we're looking to use Baseline to build out her next product. Yeah, so, fantastic. So for her, it's like, um, you know, the thing is we work with people, you know, there's sometimes a misconception. A lot of the time people come to us and say, oh, look, I'm not technical. Uh, and I always say, you know, with our agency, uh, no one's technical. Everyone that comes to us is is uh, someone that's a subject matter expert in their field, mm. you know, whether it be nutrition or health or recruitment or whatever it may be. Um, and then it's our job to to really build out a solution um, and then and, and get it going. Yep. So I'm sure if you asked her what baseline was, she probably had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she knows that it's the foundation of the products yep. that, that we've built and, um, and it gives her that, um, you know, uh, peace of mind yep. as well and when we talk about exits like we have some that you know uh we, we, i can't mention who but they're a top 20 asx listed company that are looking to purchase one of the companies and uh, an agreement was signed and you know dd was done and mm. uh, and being able to have you know that process uh of doing that due diligence which is pretty rigorous and uh you know they really really come down into the nuts and bolts of like how things were built and why were they built that way and uh, being able to have a solution that not only ticked all their boxes uh, and allowed that startup to to sign for that exit um, you know they're looking for us to to continue uh, working with them once once they purchase the startup as well so um, I think that's that's been like another really interesting journey for us as well. Yeah, fantastic. So it's kind of one new more business. Yeah, totally. Like. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, now at the moment, we, we work really closely with partners. So we're very partner driven. Mm -hmm. We don't, uh, you know, to date, we don't really do much. Mar you know, we've really done no marketing. It's all been word of mouth. And that's both from a client perspective, but also from a partner's network. Yep. So you know, AWS and Stripe are really strong. You know, they're really strong. Part we're strong partners with them. All right. Okay. But um, you know, we've done many integrations with like Salesforce and HubSpot, and you know, uh, Baseline starting to get a bit of a reputation in that partner network. And uh, you know, someone in you know HubSpot Singapore is really interested in becoming a partner now. Mm. So. Yeah, we only really launched Baseline this financial year, so it's wow. only been probably eight, eight, eight weeks, nine yep. weeks. Um, so. Yeah, that's been pretty positive, um, and and going direct to product teams as well yep. um, has been really interesting. But um, yeah, we've had a really good uh, feedback. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, all right. <coughs> I want to circle back to the start. Like, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's all good. That's all good. We'll talk more about baseline because it sounds like a fascinating pro um, product. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go back to the start of mm. of the evolution of Devika. Why yeah. do you even start it? What what sort of triggered? Yeah. Um, so. I, I, you know, so when you said Wollongong, I um, studied at Wollongong University and then... The best uni <laughs> out there, big plug. <laughs> yeah, it's a really strong, you know, computer science and IT degree fac and faculty. So, um, hence the reason why, our, you know, all our software development team is in Wollongong. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really strong uh, community and a really strong uh, faculty. So, we've been really lucky for that. Um, so, yeah, I went to university... And then after that, um, was looking to, you know, get a job somewhere um, and was, you know, had, had a few offers, but I, I went and worked for my family business. Uh, so it was really, 
so like conventional but unconventional in that they um they specialize in in uh, high performance car parts so nothing to do with tech mm. um actually a very was a very manual pen and paper it was a very it was a business to business um operation so you know you might get a pallet of products and send them to someone um so i i saw that opportunity to kind of go well i could go there and and do a digital transformation you know get involved in being able to implement software um being a being a family business they probably wouldn't have trusted anyone else to do it yeah, so sure. <laughs> so being um their son it, they i had a fair bit of autonomy to, yeah. to do what i feel like and um you know but your parents being your boss has other um pros and cons as well sure um and then yeah went out went uh implemented sap so uh you know and uh so the first 12 months was all about understanding what the business needs are uh planning planning out what that system will look like um our business goals was to go to end consumer b2c so built out the the software and and the infrastructure around sap and e-commerce and all that kind of jazz it was probably uh it was like a three-year process it was like 12 months of planning and design, 12 months of implementation in Australia, and then another 12 months of implementing in America. Uh, we have really big pro- big warehouse and presence in America. Yeah, right. And uh, after we did all that and built a small team around the, the tech and marketing, we were like online, you know, uh, top online retailers in Australia and we're winning all these different awards and uh, it was it was quite a journey. And um and at that stage i was i was starting to get exposure to startups uh, and vcs like vcs would come to us and say would you want to invest in startups and i always found it really fascinating because like startups were wanting to solve you know these really unique problems and they usually needed tech and money and at a family business we we had tech and we had money Mm. so i was like really drawn towards seeing how we could use our infrastructure uh to to go and um pursue that space and just getting exposed to it really got me excited and then decided to go to TechCrunch Disrupt in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, see what was happening in that space. And uh, and that was like 2015, I think. Yeah. And um, the big takeaway for me was I saw, there was, well, lucky enough where there was a company actually called Meta, not Facebook. No, there yeah, was yeah. another Meta. And yeah. they were, um, one of the co-founders was studying at University of Wollongong. And, um, and they were building these AR headsets, you know, um, pretty early on. Um, and I was lucky enough to actually get a bit of a tour. They had a whole bunch of Wollongong um, software engineers there. Oh, and, fantastic. Uh, knew, yeah, knew, knew a bunch of people there. So yeah. I was lucky enough to this get... This is in Silicon Valley. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They had this house that was like up on the hill. It was massive. Wow. I think it was the architect from the uh, Golden Gate uh, Bridge. Okay. So, yeah, it was... It was, he's out. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was phenomenal, and um, yeah, w- weren't really allowed to take photos or anything. Okay. So I was able to see where what they were doing, and uh, and you know the headsets were really big and clunky, but I was really fascinated. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the family business, going going online was was a digital transformation, sure. and then going from the browser to mobile phone, which sounds ridiculous, was actually a really big transformation as well. Yep. And that's where we won a lot of market share online was because we were mobile already when iPhones were, you know, uh, well, not iPhones, but like marketplaces were becoming, starting to blow up like yep. eBay um, and and Amazon and Google Shopping and all mm-hmm. that. So we were ready for that. And going to Silicon Valley and seeing where AR headsets were at, I thought that could be the next user interface. Like, so where's that heading? Where's VR heading? Where's uh, voice? You know, all of these, uh, you know, UIs 
and uh, and it was like where are they heading and how are we going to keep ahead of that mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i found that was that was really fascinating so i was like definitely want to come back and look into ar a lot more and where it was heading and then the other part was it was there was a lot of teslas everywhere there was electric cars really and yeah. um and i was just fascinated because i was like hey I'm, I'm working for a company that's that's building combustion engines and yep. Uh, and at the time, you know, and, and even now, you know, you're a bit of a greenie and you're like, you know, well, the, you know, these are non-renewable, um, you know, uh, energy. So how do we, how are we going to move towards using more electric? Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a moment where I thought maybe in 10 years time, you know, the family business will be less rele- relevant. Yeah. Uh, and I was only like 25 at the time. So I thought, um, you know, by 35, uh, I could do pretty irrelevant yeah so i thought how do i come back and look at ar and look at where electric cars are heading and, and apply that to the family business mm-hmm. um yeah coming back and having that conversation with a family was like um having a, a paddle and trying to shift the course of the titanic right? yeah, yeah right i can imagine yeah, yeah <laughs> it's sure. something that they've been doing for 30 years of course it um, works now we're making bank yeah yeah, yeah. we don't need to change yeah. and you know the business was growing yeah and, and you've just done this digital transformation yeah. as well now you're saying we want to put vr in here whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah <laughs> yeah i was like well you know we bet it all on red uh let's let's do it again yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and uh and they were like no yeah. uh this is this is this is just fine thanks yeah. um and i thought well uh, I didn't really want someone telling me what to do with my future. So I thought this is probably not for me. So sure. um, went out and started my own business. And uh, at the time, I didn't even know what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just went and started talking to my network and uh, and and just, you know, uh, started, started working on a bunch of web and mobile applications. Being in the e-commerce space, I really understood that well. Sure. Um, but very quickly moved away uh, from tradi- that traditional e-commerce and more into like, digital products that, you know, that startups and, and, um, and, and companies are trying to build. So I think that digital transformation was really fascinating and, um, yeah, went, decided to go out on my own. Yeah. Okay. But, um, the family business is still a client, so that's good. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still kept it in the family. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, well, I'm assuming that was your first client. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the first client. Yeah. Um, was it just you? <clears throat> yeah. 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 So it was same thing. I thought, you know, uh, I don't really want to be told what to do. So I didn't really want to get any investors on board. So I thought I've got to really work hard to figure out how to make this a sustainable business. And that that's probably been, that has been at the core from day one. So yeah, I don't, don't really have, you know, I don't have a business partner, um, you know, solo founder for Devika and, um, and also no investors. Mm. Um, so sometimes I, I do say it is a little bit of a, um, a dictatorship if i say i want something you know if we want to do something we do it but uh as a joke but yeah the reality is is that we you know if we decide to do something it's uh we have that flexibility yep yeah fantastic yeah. um cool look what um i wanted to go to next was why the name how'd you come up with devika yeah so seems interesting and we've got you know being an it is a big indian community so like Devika is such a popular name yeah. for, for female people in, in India. So yeah, it was uh, it was one of those things where I uh, I really wanted it to be six characters, so I could get a number plate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I just wanted it to be six characters. Um, didn't want it. A lot of startups, a bit like baseline, have two words together. So yeah. I was like, want to stay away from that. 
And, uh, you know, especially at the time and still, like, I'm, I'm a pretty big Richard Branson fan. So uh, thinking that through, I've got a Macedonian background mm-hmm. and, uh, and Virgin in Macedonian is actually Devica. D-E-V-I-C-A. And I thought, oh, it's a little bit difficult. So we'll just change it to a K. Managed to get the .com.au. And then that was, like, pretty early on before I really was going to go out on my own. So Devica. Uh, Devita, yeah, um, yeah, he's Balkan, he's, he's a, you know, for, um, uh, for Virgin, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. like Richard Branson's company. Fantastic. And then, yeah, change it to a K, uh, had the word dev in there, there was different variations of it sure. and thought, well, we're going to be software developing. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's got the word dev in there and, um, and it wasn't until like a year of like actually going into business that I realized it was, uh, an Indian, very, very, um, you know, pro- prominent or, um, you know, very, you know, important Indian name and, you know, it's, there's a goddess and it's it's actually quite, an, you know, an important name in, in India. Yep. And uh, and that's where, you know, devika.com was was taken. Mm. And, uh, and you know, for 12 to 18 months, I tried really hard to, to get that name and finally managed to, to get it. Um, yep. So, yeah, we had to pay for it, but uh, we were all in. And, uh, yeah, it's been Devika ever since. Yeah. All right. Cool. <coughs> no, that's fantastic. Um <laughs> How about the the culture at Devika? So, um, you know, being a solo founder, I think it's probably as you grow and um, uh, change, and as every business does, mm. you know, how what's the top? How's the culture evolved, mm-hmm. and and what do you go about doing in fostering that culture? Um, and we're just talking about like the day to day. We can talk about both, like how the business operates, but also like the software engineering side of things as well. And best practices as well. Yeah, totally. So um, culture is really important. Um, something I always say to clients is, you know, we're, we're really busy and it's it's harder to get really good employees than it is to get clients. So our, our focus is more on our employees than, our, than sometimes our clients. Um, I think it's really important uh, to put them first. Uh, so, we, you know, we've we spent a lot of time in in really getting to understand what it what it's like to grow out some of these teams. Uh, we've we do have advisors that have that have been through that and been able to like give us uh, advice around some of the landmines of growing a team. Mm-hmm. There was a stage there where you know we went from like three to thirteen people in a, in a matter of like less than twelve months. Yeah, so, you know, for, so. yeah. So for us, that was you know it wasn't like we we were given this cash you know and we had to grow the team out. It was uh, you know it was a lot of word of mouth, a lot of products that we, that you know we were looking to build out and. And putting a person a month, you know, uh, is, is, you know, like I said, we, we had three people and that went to six in a matter of like almost a month. So that's nearly half the culture, you know, getting diluted with new people. So um, through that journey, we really looked at what, what worked and what didn't work. So for us, hiring in a bit of a sequence is really important. So, um, so what we do is we, we like teams of four. Um, so we tend to do one senior, two mid, and one junior. Yep. And we tend to hire in that um, in that order as well. Mm-hmm. So what we find is that for us, the definition of someone that's a, a mid junior, a mid software developer, is someone that can work independently. So if those people can be told what to do and work in independently, then it allows a senior uh, the freedom to to like do all the planning and designing and also the uh, delivery management and and then the senior can spend a bunch of time with the junior to upskill mm-hmm. um, and I think that's really important because if you do things sometimes backwards like a junior a, a mid and, and then you get a senior later um, 
it, it can create a lot of inefficiencies and, and chaos and, um, and, and doing it in that order, the, the culture, I feel, it, you know, it, it, it keeps the culture. So, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of time with, with senior software developers or delivery managers and then being able to foster another mid and then another mid and then a, a junior developer, I think is really important. So, yep. yeah, from, from the efficiency, you know, operational efficiency and, and, and chaos, that's worked really, really well for us. Um, yeah, we do, we do like, uh, you know, uh, events on Fridays as well. So, like, we would get, um, uh, like, different partners. Like, we were, we're a HP ISV, so HP's come down, HTC, um, you know, Dell. We've had Salesforce. We've had AWS, um, guys from Atlassian, um, and, uh, you know, all, all different walks of life that, that are in the tech space, mm. especially if they're um, living in Wollongong as well. Uh, they'll come past and oh, yeah. some, sometimes work out of our office on a Friday, yeah. do a talk. Um, like this this Friday, we have someone from Salesforce coming in and doing a bit of a um, yeah demo and more like a, a workshop mm-hmm. um, for and and you know so that's really important. Uh, the, that training we're working really closely with partners as well. We you know with AWS, you know we're only small, so pretty much all of our software developers need to be certified. Uh, in order for us to keep our AWS partnerships um, level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. So, you know, training and uh, learning and development with, with AWS content and, um, and especially our other partners is always really important. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, like, uh, I guess for us, you know, things coming a little bit more back to normal after COVID, mm-hmm. we're looking at, you know, what can we do around the workplace uh, to improve, um, you know, uh, people's work-life balance and uh you know people are out to work from home whenever they like uh we do we do have a culture that's more uh steered towards being in the office as well uh, i think it's really important for the work that we do and and how we do it that there is uh in-person time mm. uh, but people do have their own flexibility to work from home yeah um but a big part of that was you know we've just committed to uh to um, a new office space and you know part of that space will have uh, there's a pool and a gym and um, open community areas for like barbecues and, and stuff like that. And I think that's that's really important. So looking at that work-life balance yep. and providing, uh, you know, some of these things, um, which me personally, I'm pretty active, so yep. I'm pretty passionate about them anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and getting uh, the team out of their skin it's, it's for some of them and for, for other of them, they're more active than I am. Yeah. So, yeah, it works really well. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think so. What I sort of picked up there, it sounds like when you're bringing in talent to the business, you look at it as a, as a balanced sort of hire um, that sort of keeps that culture. So you're never ever too top heavy or bottom heavy, yeah. um, allowing you to, alloc- I guess, allocate resources to um, specific projects when they sort of come up. Um, and as that's probably evolving as you grow, um, you've got that sort of uh, arsenal in, in your yes. team to do that. Um, what happens as you evolve, like as juniors? So I guess like the idea of, of any business is to grow from juniors to mids to seniors. So um, how do you how do you do that? Like you talked about learning and development being a big big thing there. Like what sort of practices do you guys have in place? Yeah. To- so for us, everyone's everyone's uh, learning and development is pretty unique to them. So we like to put a bit of a plan together for each person um, and and understand where do they want to head. So in some some areas. You know, if we're building digital products in that planning and design phase, that can be very 
uh, subjective. So, you know, someone comes to you with a problem and there's, there's a lot of ways to solve that problem. Yeah. So, um, so we have someone in the team that's put their hand up to do more of that. And what we tend to do is it's a, it's a lot of shadowing. So the same way in software development, you have, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? P, P pro programming, pair programming. Pair, uh, yeah. pair programming. Uh, the same way you have pair programming. Yeah. It's like we have paired, um, you know, uh, you know, an allocation for that person to sit in with someone else mm -hmm. and watch them do the playing and design phase and, right. um, and maybe do that for two or three months and then slowly, slowly um, allow them to maybe run some meetings. Yep. Um, you know, that, that literally just happened yesterday where we said, look, you know, you've progressed a fair bit. How about you, you run the next meeting? Yep. Give it a go um, and see how you go. So, but I think what's really important is setting up an environment where people can succeed. Mm. So it's not just like, putting someone in and saying, you know, in six months time, I want you to be independent and, and letting them uh, and giving them something that's really difficult to do. It's like, how do we get you there? How do we give you small little features or tasks? And how do you work independently through them and then move towards, uh, you know, maybe building out a feature or planning out a feature independently? Um, on the development side, there's, you know, code can't get pushed without a pull request and, and, a, and a review. So that review can be really, you know, it's very candid feedback. And I think the, the good part about software development is that those pull requests happen every day. So every day you've got a finger on the pulse on how to improve. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really important. Sometimes running a business, you know, uh, you might make a decision and it takes you months to get feedback on whether that was a good or a bad decision. Whereas with the software developers, we've definitely noticed that as the team's grown, just how quickly that learning curve uh, gets filled up yep. um, compared to when we first started yep. when it was like one or two people to turn to and they, you know, you're, you're figuring it out together yeah, 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 compared sure. to having people that um, have been part of building and, and launching products every month. Yep. Um, I think another important part is like, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of the staff stay for a while. Yeah. So that knowledge is, has stayed within the company. So you know, our first hire, he is the head of product and services. Mm -hmm. um, he's the two ICs. So yep. he's been around, uh, you know, uh, pretty much since since I started. Um, and, you know, since we even we started to scale up in that year two or three, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've, we've had people stay with us for like the last four or five years. So yep. we've been very, very fortunate where they've been through enough to, to really understand it. So when someone new comes in, they can... Um, you know, pass on that knowledge. What do you attribute <coughs> to um, contributing to that high level of retention mm -hmm. within the business? I think what I found was, um, you know, we've, we've had software developers that have gone and worked for specific products before. And I think what tends to happen is even at bigger companies, you're a cog in the wheel. Yep. Um, you, you know, you have to, you have to work within those confinements. Uh, for us, where we, that, we can't do that. Like for us, it's, you know, you, you, you get exposed to the full spectrum, to the full end to end process. Um, and then there's a level of expectation that when you're, you know, a mid or a senior developer that you are able to build something with a team end to end and deploy it, um, and, and, uh, and go live. So if anything, we have the expectation that you're, you're willing to do more, um, rather than, uh, having the expectation of, we just want you to do this one little thing. Uh, and we and you know, if, if we can, you know, uh, unless we can get someone else to do it, you're going to keep doing it. So I think that's, 
you know, I've had people that have worked at product teams that come and start and they said, oh, am I allowed to do this? <laughs> you know, like, uh, and it's like, yeah, that you, of course you are. It's yep. actually expected. So um, I think that's been really probably liberating for software, for some of the software developers. Yep. I think um, the other part is, is that we, we don't context switch a lot. So what I mean by that is, uh, if a project comes in, most projects are around three or four months to build, uh, a, lot, a lot of time about three months. Um, so a person will work on that project for you know three, four months, um, and then they might go on to another project. Uh, so it's not like we, we don't have, uh, we're lucky enough where we don't have an environment where we're doing all these little things and uh, you know, week by week, you're on a different client every week. We mm. don't, we don't, we don't have that. Yep. We're lucky enough where it's like, okay, these are the project products that we're building. These are projects, and you're gonna, you're going to work on it for the next three or four months. But also after that three or four months, you have the, you know, the the liberty to move on to something else. Yeah. So I think that's what keeps people fresh. Yeah. Like they, they really enjoy it. You know, something comes in. And today it's recruitment and then tomorrow it's hospitality and then the next day it's health and fitness. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think that's what keeps it really fresh for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think the other part is, uh, you know, in the tech space, there's this thing called tech debt. Yeah, so when technical you, debt, yeah. So when you build something, you know, um, especially when you're moving quickly, you know, some things sometimes aren't built that great. Sure. Um, so the, the beauty is that, you know, our learning curves are so quick that um, I, I feel like our tech debt is is very low, okay. um, and on and the beauty is is that this sounds terrible, but even if it was really high, we we give it to someone else. You know, we give it back to the founder. You know, to the company, and they they take it in house, uh, mm. and we're off to a new clean slate, and we use all that learnings for the new new project. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we you know we don't. Like I said, in the earlier days, we would inherit people's tech debt. Yeah, sure. Where now we don't. We, we, we have a clean slate. So you're looking for that, those greenfield projects yes. as opposed to the problem solving. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's been, I think they're like two or three factors yep. that keep it really, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a certain mentality of people who work in like the software consulting space that I find. It's either you, you want to do it, you want to be exposed to that new projects all the time yep. throughout your career. Um that you, you like and you get exhilarated by that, like that, that, that drives you or you, you, you're the opposite where, or you may have done that for me and you're like, look, I just want to focus on um, one product for like an extended period of time. Um, and I also find that <clears throat> some places do it better than others. Yeah. So like when you've got an environment that doesn't foster that creativity and learning and development that just expect you to sort of churn and burn, you can burn out in, in a, in a consultancy or an agency environment. Um, yeah and the other part too is even though we we build so many new projects a lot of them stay with us yeah so and we look after them you know a lot of them are a three or four year journey as well yeah um in some cases same thing like one of our first greenfield projects is still with us Mm. like um five six years later so um yeah we it's but we're still able to keep things fresh which is good so even though we are the tech department we are the software development house for that um startup or scale up we we are internally able to keep things pretty fresh Mm. and i think that's really important yeah we talked about when when we chatted the other week when we called up for a coffee about like talent density Mm -hmm. uh at at, at davika um and you mentioned like similar to that of a football team yeah what what did you mean by that yeah so um you know i guess when you're building and starting a, a startup um or or a scale up that it's always about how you're going to scale your your company 
And, um, and, and at core, we're a services company. Yeah. So really quickly, we were like, okay, um, do we want to scale out this company? Uh, what do we want that to look and feel like? And for us, we've made the conscious decision, uh, you know, strategically to say, well, if, you know, we have something like baseline where we built it and we're looking mm. to scale that out. And we think that could, you know, could grow into something really big in the future. Um, whereas as a, as a agency, we were like, how do we keep this? You know, we don't want to be the biggest, but we want to be the best. Yeah. And how do we, how do we become the best? And we thought, you know, how do we work as teams of four and maybe, you know, limit it to like 24 or 28 software developers. Um, and, you know, the analogy of like a soccer team, mm. how do we, how do we have, you know, the best starting 11? Uh, mm. So rather than having, uh, you know, uh, three reserve teams or, and, and being as big as we can, how do we get uh, the, the top 11 soft, uh, you know, soccer players or software developers to actually be, um, you know, under one roof and, and building out these, these products. And then that way, when someone has a very audacious goal of building, you know, a startup or a scale up, yep. you know, they're able to tap into that. And a, a big thing that I always say too, is that, you know, a lot of founders might uh, have one or two or three software developers, and then, you know, they're two or three months in and they don't really have the product that they want. Um, I always say, you know, it's like building a house and getting, you know, two or three carpenters to build it out. Mm. When, when you come to us, it's like we, we assemble the team. It's a team that's worked together, that's won championships. You know, we've got companies, you know, we've, we've built apps that have been number one on the app store. We've built apps that um, are doing tens of millions of dollars in revenue and worth hundreds of millions in valuation. And, and we're still solely responsible for those products. Um, you know, and these are all... This is all on the on, on the one roof uh, mm -hmm. with a very you know small software development team, yep. and I think um, you know we, we we have a bit of that analogy. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing, you know, we have a, you know a business uh, coach or consultant that helps with people's uh, you know career progressions. And uh, a comment that I made to him the other day was, you know, uh, it's not about me being Michael Jordan; it's about me being. Um, uh, you know, uh, like being his coach. So, you know, actually understanding what it, what it is to, to drive a team forward and, mm. and have those goals and, and, and vision for them to yep. be able to perform at their best. Yep. Um, and, and part and parcel is, you know, that, that strategy on how we hire and how we retain and, um, and how we train and, and, uh, and same thing now with the new office, yep. um, what we're looking to implement to keep everyone, um, you know, firing from all cylinders and really enjoying uh, working for us. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, talking about like uh, the hiring part, um, being, a, being a tech recruiter, it'd be silly <coughs> for me to avoid that. How do you think or what processes do you attribute to the success of hiring and building that talent density yeah. at Dabika? So I, I always do the first interview. Yeah. Um, I really like to get to know the person, mm -hmm. um, what it is that they're looking for, um, if they're, you know, if they, if they're highlighting, you know, I like to ask what it is that they didn't like about their previous employee employment or employers. And, and sometimes that's only because I might not be able to solve that problem for them either. Yeah, sure. So, uh, we might not be the right fit. So mm -hmm. really we're making sure that culturally they're the right fit for what we, what we want and what we, you know, what we're trying to achieve. Find out what didn't work before. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, same thing with a client, you know, when they say, oh, we went to this software development company and they were, you know, they were crap. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell me why they were crap. Yeah. And it was like ABC. And then it's like, well, I, 
you know, I don't think we can solve that, mm. you know. Um, you know, sometimes they say, oh, they didn't give us a lot of transparency. Well, unless you know how to read code, I don't know how, how you know, anyway. What does um, transparency actually look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. What does transparency look? What mm. would you expect? So I think that's really important. And then there's like a second and third interview with like, uh, you know, the head of product and service and then um, head of engineering after that. Um, and then it becomes more and more technical. So mm. that's usually where I step out. Yep. And then uh, they do a few, you know, there's, there's like a take home, 30 minute take home um, assessment. Um, and then they present it, yep. explain what, why they did what they did. Uh, so actually the code itself is probably 25% of the marking criteria. Most of it is their thought process. Yeah, fantastic. What, you know, if they said they did something, did, did that actually come through in, in, their, in, in what they were presenting? Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then I guess as an employer, it allows me to know where their skill sets are and then I understand where their salary package would sit. Yeah, okay. So cultural first. Yeah. Technical assessment. Yep. Take home. Yeah. Then to another one, another interview, sorry. Yeah. And then potentially a third. Yep. Yeah. A final one with myself. Yeah. Final yep. oh, then back to you again yep. for the final call. Yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah, we're not that big, so I like to definitely be part of that process. Yeah, of course. And the other parties, you know, the, the, the two other guys, they're the ones that are going to be working with that software developer. Yep. So it's really important that they're on board with that person as well. Yeah, fantastic. How quickly does that happen? Um, it can happen within a fortnight. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, like a fortnight. Yeah. Usually, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, nice. Um, okay. And we had a good conversation about what happened in COVID. So mm -hmm. being affected um, as, as, you know, as a growing business, uh, software consulting, got hit pretty hard, then got surged pretty massively, right? Yeah. So um, what was the strategy uh, that allowed you guys to not only survive that period, but sounds like you guys were thriving. Mm. So. Yeah, we definitely uh, recruited the yeah, uh, the recruited, but um, yeah, the we we assembled the advisory team when COVID hit, yep. and we were like, okay, we need a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. Uh, our biggest thing was uh, to retain all our clients. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we help them adjust? Uh, what is like our success comes from our customer success. So yep. we really need to, we really need to understand where is their business, how is COVID going to affect their business. What, what strategies and, and tactics can we implement for their, you know, can we advise them or give them feedback to yeah. help them navigate through COVID, the COVID? Um, then the other part was our staff. So it was retaining, retaining clients and retaining staff. Yeah. So it was like, what are we going to do to make sure that, you know, everyone feels comfortable, uh, that, you know, um, giving them the assurity. Uh, so as a business owner, we, we always have at least a 12 month runway. So mm. what that usually, you know, what that means is if we had no clients for 12 months, uh, we could survive. Hey, and um, keep the lights on. Yep. So that, you know, that's always really important. It's, it's a big, it's probably the reason why we don't, we haven't been so aggressive on growth. Yeah. Uh, it's more around sustainability mm -hmm. and making sure that, uh, yeah. Cause when you first start, it's just you and you're like, I can take all these risks. And mm -hmm. then, I think as a business owner, when you hire someone that has a family, mm. you're like, okay, I need to take business a little bit more seriously because now, um, you know, we're looking after other people's families. Yep. Um, so, so that's really important. So it was all about retention. And then, you know, a, a good example was we had uh, a startup that was in the, that's in the hospitality space. And, you know, they had like a three, six month product roadmap, uh, project roadmap, and then, go to market strategy and all that kind of jazz. 
then COVID hit and it was like, whoa, you know, yeah. the, uh, this product might not be very relevant right <laughs> now. Right. And yeah. RSLs and clubs and pubs were all closing down and they were taking that some of that time to renovate and whatnot. And uh, so we kind of went, what can we, what can we do? And the government mandated that um, it was like three things. It was like buzzers, um, cutlery and uh, menus were no longer allowed to be handed out. So the cutlery had to be like plastic or disposable. So it was like disposable cutlery. So we thought, okay, well, rather than building out this massive product, how do we, how do we get rid of buzzers and uh, menus for all of these venues as quickly as possible? So rather than looking at a six-month roadmap, we, we dialed it down to like six weeks. Uh, the founder was able to go and pitch to all of these different RSLs and say, well, if you use us, we can integrate with your pod system and we can, you don't need to use your buzzers. And then on top of that, you can upload your, um, your menu mm. and, um, and, and you know, people can use their phone. So yeah. he, he was able to really onboard a whole bunch of venues very quickly mm. because of that. And then after that, we turned it from this you know, hard-coded uh, menu to a dynamic one that you could then you know, purchase from at a later date. But at least at the start, he was able to pitch to them something that solved their problem. And, and then was able to win that business and get it going. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. So it sounded like you had the foresight to or the understanding to be super flexible in your delivery mm. options for your customers. I think, um, uh, I think another really big thing for our startups that we work with is that if they did get hit and they mm. couldn't afford to do any work with us, that, you know, if they went in-house, they probably would have had to let those people go. Mm -hmm. Where we were able to deploy those people onto other other startups that were doing quite well. Yeah. And then 12 months later, when things kind of settled and those other startups were back in business, they didn't. We and they didn't lose that knowledge. Like we we managed to retain it. So being able to use us almost as a tap to be able to say, well, hey, my business is taking a hit. Um, I'm going. I'm going to have to dial it down. And, and then when your business is doing well, I need to dial it up mm. and we're able to do that for you, I think um, is, is a really big value proposition that you know, we have. So, and, but how are we able to do that? Um, with deploying people to different So clients? like, yeah, let's say we had like, uh, at the time, you know, if we had a, like a dozen software developers, sure. yeah. rather than, um, you know, so some startups like that hospitality one started to take off yep. and we were able to put some of the people that were working on other projects that had to be paused onto the ones that yep. were doing well and then that. when those startups you know came back came back and and now doing well we were able to put some of those resources back onto those yep. yeah. but it sounded like you were able to do that because instead of focusing on growing during this time on growing your own business you're able to just focus on maintaining yes. the, core, the people in there yep. yeah and the re and the retention piece internally was also because um I just felt like there's a lot of unknown you know mm. like uh I, I think people were really bullish yep. and we tend to go against the grain. So mm -hmm. for us, you know, we saw everyone having these massive growth strategies, sure. government giving out all this money. Um, and we thought this is all going to catch up to us at some stage. Um, so let's not go, get overzealous and, and do some, some stuff that we might regret. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's just, uh, you know, focus on, on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And in that two, three year period, we really focused on efficiency. So like, um, you know, what what used to take us six months we can now do in three months or two months right. and i feel like that's you know those those efficiency pieces and baseline and re reinvesting yeah. in baseline was uh, a really big driving factor for us to be you know to focus on profitability rather than 
just you know revenue just hyper growth yeah. yeah and now now we have now we're in a really fortunate position mm-hmm. where you know many people that you know many of those high growth companies tried to poach a lot of our staff yeah we're lucky enough that you know no one no one left um and and uh and now you know many of those high growth companies that were trying to poach our staff are letting people go yeah and, um, and and I think people in our team can see that, you know. Yeah. So they, you know, what if that was me? Mm. I would if I went there and then. And usually that's the case when it's a sort of first, the last in, first out sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, that that's been really important. And now that everyone, now that the economy's got this unknown and we're moving to more unknown territory, um, I think you know as companies have dialed things down, we're looking to 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 dial things up. So yep. for us, rather than doubling in size every year, you know, we worked out. If we want to double in size in the next three years, um, that's that's like a compound of I think it was like twenty percent year on year or something 30 percent. So um, that's really achievable for us. Yep. So we we just rather take that steadily. Yeah. Um, and 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 go from there. Yeah, I think it's super important, um, particularly when you're you know have such a core value proposition of being able to create that talent density internally provide such a good service to your clients that you don't get overzealous with hiring mm. and um, in turn like <clears throat> scaling the business and you know for some businesses that may work when you dedicate on a particular product but when you when you do have that um, uh, I guess value for what you just said where you can deploy services to clients when needed uh, you've got to be sure you've got people there relatively available and you've got to be sure you've got the work for the people as well so yeah, totally. yeah you've got to like balance that um, so yeah, I guess it's kind of a balancing act of a founder of a of a tech consulting company, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I and I think on that like baseline has really helped because oh, yeah. you know when you've got a, you know let's say a dozen software developers, mm. they're not all specializing in different things. You know we can we can move people across different projects um, because the tech stack is the same and the language is the same front to back. Yeah, sure. Um, compared to back in the day where you know if you had someone that was specializing in a mobile app mm-hmm. and that's all they did, but you know, a client's focus was, you know, the web portal, that, that person, you know, it wasn't as transferable. Yep. So yeah, I think, I think that will, that also played a really key factor for us. Yeah. By picking and sticking with JavaScript, mm. you've got a lot more use. You can have like people who are, you know, really good backend node, but they mm-hmm. can play around React if, if your front end dev was sick that yep. day or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they don't specialize in it, they can still do it. Yeah. And I think that's really important from a business owner or a founder's perspective is that, yeah, sometimes you, you need things to get done yep. uh, and it allows for that. Yeah, cool. Um, you recently become a dad. Yes. What's being a dad taught you about, um, you know, running a business? Yeah, let's, like, the other part is let's be real, right? Yeah. So, like, um, that retention strategy was also because uh, we had we had more work. We were oversubscribed. Okay. So, two years ago when I had the little one, I was yeah. like, I could go and, and try and grow this company. Or I could just enjoy being a dad. Yeah. Um, no one needs me. I was able to take four months off. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I, 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 I think I worked pretty hard when I wasn't a dad. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I'll take two weeks off and then I'm going to be back at it. But I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it was right in the middle of lockdowns. So we, we, I managed to, you know, uh, just really enjoy that four or five months. And why I say four or five months, that was she came in July and pretty much I, I dialed back in in December, January. Yeah, and and uh, same thing. I was like, you know, we've got so much work. Do I really want to go and hire more people and do this growth strategy stuff or, 
um, or is it like, no, no, let's let's just make sure everyone's happy. Mm. Uh, give me the time to to spend this time with my daughter, and uh, I think that's that's been you know that, that was really that was really important for me. Yeah. So um, I think that's that's been great. Um, I yeah I take most Wednesdays off, so like uh, do a half day where you know I spend the day with her and just being able to like work my schedule around that has been really important. Um, and then, you know, taking time off as well. You know, we just went to Hawaii for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, you know, we're lucky enough to, to be in a different area to Maui, but yep. we had a really, really good time. And, uh, you know, we might be doing another three or four weeks in, in Miami next month. Yeah, right. uh, So, yeah, being able to, you know, to take time off and enjoy it with my daughter, I think is, is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean... I would love to have taken four months off. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, I had uh, I had a month though. That was yep. good. Yeah, yeah, I was so grateful for that. And yeah, um, to be able to spend that, you never get that back, right? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've learned about being a dad. And like for for me particularly, um, when I wake up till like I drop my son off to daycare, and I just don't look at my phone. Yeah, and then when I get home, or if I'm at working from home, from like. 5 30 quarter to five quarter to six depending on what it is like i just don't look at my phone until the kids go to bed which is yeah. around eight o'clock so yeah. like that just allows me to just go from work mode to, to dad mode and yeah that phone like it's great i love it i love it to death, mm-hmm. but it's the biggest it's the most often distracting and i find like you know if i do have it at the dinner table or something like that yeah. it'll just creep into it so i'll just leave it in the other room like that's just the only way i can do it and just dedicate that time to them yeah and also i think selfishly like this new office mm. as well like um you know I, I i kind of sat down and looked at my schedule and yeah th- and thought how do i optimize it so yeah. i get up pretty early go to the gym or go for a bike ride or whatever and then i come home and then um you know you get dressed have a shower get back in and i feel like i lose a lot of time mm. so i was like really looking at my schedule and saying it'd be really awesome if i could go to the gym and then, you know, almost, you know, at 6 a.m. and then start my day around 7 mm. and then be able to, like, dial off at 2 p.m. Yep. or 3 p.m. And so that's where, you know, with this uh, property, you know, looking at, at something that was near the gym mm-hmm. or has a gym, yeah, um, yeah. being able to, like, you know, have the facilities to, you know, go have a shower and start the day really early. And, yep. you know, as most business owners would know, sometimes that's the most productive time is, yeah, yeah. you know, when you've got that one hour before everyone starts emailing and messaging and calling. Um, so how do I optimize that to two hours, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm in there from seven and no one bothers you till nine. Yep. But then also being able to go, yeah, cool. You know, I might've missed the morning with my daughter, but at two, two o'clock I'll, I'll clock off and, and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I have to, I'll, I'll clock back in at 8 PM yep. for an hour or two. Yeah. 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 Log it in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that works. That works. Um, yeah, you've got the. Uh, I've got the opposite problem. Like, yeah. I, I've got to. I've got to do the, the morning routine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but man, I do. Yeah, I think now my um, little one is like eight months, so mm, getting mm. a bit more sleep at the moment, which is awesome. So <laughs> I'm uh, looking forward to actually just maybe like get, I'm getting up around six, but probably getting up around five thirty and getting that hour to just yeah. work out and as myself. I love working out in the morning. Yes. This is yeah. the best. Yeah. I can't recommend it highly enough to anybody mm. yeah sense of accomplishment you just come at the day with endorphins you think you're a lot more present with everything as well less grumpy yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I feel like I need to exert energy for us yeah. out the day. So it's I think it's really really important. Yeah, no, we weren't we weren't made to be sitting at <laughs> yeah. desks in front of a computer all day. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Look, I like to um, finish up with a few sort of quick fire questions cool. about um, uh, that I sort of ask everyone. Right, um, f- three questions. Uh, I hope you haven't heard this before, but uh, we'll start with the first one. Who do you think is the most influential person in your career and why? Uh, probably my my mum and dad. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'll lump them in as a person. Yeah, um, yeah. I, just, yeah. I don't know how you <laughs> feel about I met her in LA. <clears throat> yep. Lovely yeah. person, by the way, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think um, they they both have a lot of strengths, and uh, I think if you can you can draw towards their strengths, uh, learn from their weaknesses, um, I think that's really important. You know, there's obviously people like Richard Branson or Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk is almost uh, unhuman. Yeah, no, cyborg. He's a cybernetic organism sent back in time to transform the automotive industry (laughs) and the space industry and the social network industry. (laughs) So I think, you know, they're the two, they're the two spectrums. I think, you know, from growing up, you know, uh, you know, you always watch what your parents are doing and how they do things. And I think, um, you know, watching them run their own business. I think that's definitely rubbed off and, um, and then I think, uh, you know, equally as much when you when you see what Elon's doing and, and whatnot, I think, uh, you know, it, it definitely humbles you and go and, and allows you to kind of go, yeah, maybe I should be thinking a little bit bigger. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's your favorite book and why? I really liked Zero to One. What's that? Um, so Peter Thiel. I don't so, know. Yeah, 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 it was all. Uh, you know, you said one book, but the other one, I guess, is the Seven Habits of Effective People. Oh yeah, um, Covey. Stephen Covey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think read that. Th- I think they're really good. Yeah, Zero to One's really interesting. Like, um, mm. what's, you your, know, what's your favorite habit? Uh, oh, that's really tough. I, I, it's funny when we do planning and design phase. I always say, you know, start with the end in mind. Yep. So nice. That's always a big, you know. So all, you know, all of those uh, habits come out. You know, sharpen the saw. You yeah, know, when yeah. it comes to taking time off. I think that's really important. Um, you know, I, I definitely think there's, there's things in that book, uh, that, yeah, I, it's like just the, the law of being proactive. Yeah. hundred like percent. Just kind of like, you know, what's in your control, focus on that. And, and as long, same thing like with COVID, you know, when that hit, it was like, what's in our control. Mm-hmm. So we, we can, we can help, uh, the startups. Fear of influence. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So I think, that 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 from like a personal uh, journey mm-hmm. has been really important, and then from like understanding how tech is built mm-hmm. and uh, more no more how products are built and and what you should look for. I think zero to one was really good. Uh, yeah. So Peter Thiel was PayPal with Elon Musk. Okay. And, yeah. Sure. Um, you know he's done some f- really phenomenal things yeah. and uh, yeah, and that book's just all around uh, you know just. What was really interesting was like, you know, he says things like disruption is not great. So don't don't be someone that, hey, um, I'm gonna build this tech to be disruptive. Ooh. Yeah, he's like build it so that way you're you become a monopoly. So a monopoly means that everyone should use you. Yeah. So okay. don't don't draw a line in the sand and say you're either with us or against us. Figure out how everyone can use what you're building. Oh yeah. That's what you want to be. And yeah, I think, fantastic. and I think with baseline and, and what we do, you know, that's always been at the core as well with Devica is that, you know, some agencies might say, Oh, we do the planning and we do the design and we do the dev 
and we don't work with other agencies. And I think we never really draw a line in the sand. We always said, if you want to do the planning design somewhere else, that's cool. And through that, you know, we have a really good relationship with a bunch of design studios yep. and we work really closely with them. And I think that's allowed us to, um, to, to gain market share rather than be a threat to them. And I think that's really important when it comes to relationships and partnerships. So you don't have the design in house. So you we do, okay, you do but well. yeah. we, it's, we never, we never put a design agency under threat. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's so always like, up being like almost acting as a referral business. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And they are. Yeah. yeah. So we have like an affiliate program yeah. and, uh, and in some cases we, if a client comes to us and we think that, that one of the design studios will do a better job than what we will, we'll use that. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're at, at, you know, at heart, we're still techies. Mm. So I don't think, any, you know, I, I don't think anyone can build tech better than we can. But I won't go on the record and say that. But, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, in these other aspects, I think it's really, you know, partners and, and you know, uh, are really important. Yep. And being able to work with design agencies and all that kind of jazz has been really important. Or, you know, with our ventures program as well, uh, you know, we work really closely with other VCs. You mm -hmm. know, we, we really want to explain where's our value proposition and where you know we don't overlap and why we don't overlap and then that way when the time's right you know we might co-invest in something and uh and then when the time's right we can actually introduce that startup to other vcs yep you know like so if we get in really early we work with others that get in later and we can help drive that success and, and hand it over to another vc and co-invest and i think with baseline it was the same thing too it was like how do we build a product that is not just being used at devica that anyone can use uh that makes you know that has ha we have an opinion on what we think it is and how do we get it out there and get get every new digital product being built on baseline yeah yeah i love it and yeah. so you attribute a lot of what zero to one yeah peter till says in that yeah to to the success there yeah. and that mindset of um not being disruptive yes but look at being a monopoly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like it I haven't heard that. Yeah. I haven't heard that book. So I'm yeah. definitely, yeah, I'm keen. I'm so keen for always good book recommendations. Um, all right. Now, actually, speaking of habits, what habits do you contribute to your success um, as a technical leader? Uh, I think knowing the difference as a business owner, like what's the difference between dedication and discipline? You know, like I think, you know, people are really big to kind of go, oh, I worked 12 hours, you know, I'm really dedicated, but there's, there's an art of being very disciplined in what we do. And I think being able to start and finish things, you know, there's, there's the other saying, you know, our outcomes over output, mm -hmm. you know, being very outcomes driven. Um, so having, you know, the discipline to kind of see things through. And, and I think that's really important. Like if you're leading a team and you say, Hey, we're going to do ABC and, and you don't do them, yep. you know, you can get called out by the team pretty quickly mm -hmm. or you can be, people become unmotivated. So I think, if you say something, you should mean it. And, uh, and you know, we don't, we don't prioritize, you know, 20 things. We, we tend to only have three or four things that are really important yep. that we're, that are like, that we don't move on until we get them done. Yep. Um, which, you know, sometimes might frustrate other people because they're waiting for those things to get done before we can move on. Mm -hmm. But once we move on, we're very, we're very rapid, you know, like when we, when we're doing something, we, we go all in on it and, uh, and we, we, we see it through. And yep. I think, that's really important in how we operate the business. And I think it's really important in how we even build digital products. Like yeah. we don't, we don't just, 
you know, do it willy-nilly. Like when a contract gets signed and a deposit gets made, you know, that team gets assembled and we we see it through till the end. Yeah, you know, yeah. we don't we don't start other projects. And that might frustrate some clients that want to start today. Mm. You know, they might have to wait until a, a product gets gets finished before they can jump in. But uh, on the flip side, we wouldn't do it to them. Yeah. So uh, that's that's I think that that discipline is really important. Um, you know, uh, being true to what you start and finish, and mm-hmm. having the discipline to see those things through. I think yep. is is really really important. And I think that's been at the core of probably our success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So yeah. discipline versus dedication. Yeah. And then being outcomes focused as opposed to output focused. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it so much. You just um, you you kind of reminded me just then of uh, a I I I want to say it's Warren Buffett's sort of principle mm-hmm. where he's like write down the most twenty things mm-hmm. that are most important to your life, write them down, then go through it again and again, circle the top five, mm-hmm. then throw everything else out. Yeah, focus on them. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, something I mean, do it again once you've done the top five. Yeah, something yeah. I've learned probably in the last 12 months is, you know, the word non-negotiables. Mm. So, like, you know, just being able to go into situations and going, these are my non-negotiables. Yeah. Like, this is what we're not negotiating on. So, like, that that allows us to stay on track rather than everything being negotiable all of the time. Yeah, like, fantastic. No, no, we've set, set, you know, this is what we're doing. We're going to see it through. And and this conversation is, is really a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's move on. Yep. No, I love it. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having Ken, me. Ken, no, thanks so much for coming on board, mate. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah. We're starting to sweat here, so <laughs> I think we have to call it. <laughs>